Well, hello, White Sox fans. Hope you guys are doing just great. Um, welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. Hello, Danny. Hello, Ian. How are you this evening? You know, we're just, uh, you know, it's in the, the title of the stream. We're just kind of grinding through the season, huh? It's been a it's been a rough. Oh, one. <laughs> I don't know if grind is even the right word, man. I mean, it it has definitely been a grind. Uh, whether we're talking about uh, you know the uh, the team itself or just being a fan has been uh, quite the grind. Uh, you know, we've talked about it a little bit here uh, a lot. I shouldn't say you know not so much a little a lot over the last month and a half or so more than you know. Then you know the rest of the season combined, I would say about how difficult it's been to uh, watch a team that's uh, supposed to be in the heart of their competitive window. But you know, mental health is—it's uh, it, waning every day as a White Sox fan. Although you know, you, you, I like to think that you know maybe the sell-off at the at the trade deadline uh, signaled something. We we'd said that it signaled. Uh, direction we're not sure exactly what that direction is other than uh you know we failed without saying so much and uh you know here we go again but anywho uh anything new and exciting in your world this week man no not really you know just uh getting through uh did some shows over the weekend that was nice um other than that not really a whole lot hey pusher how you doing good to see you thanks for stopping in um buddy yeah, not really anything too crazy, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, the, the summer's winding down. And, uh, you know, we've been hoping for years that uh, this was going to be the contention window. And uh, this year's been rough, man. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's been pretty awful. And, um, no, it has, yeah, continue. I'm sorry. Thanks. No, it's fine. I mean, I don't, you know, I like, I, I don't, what, what do you even say? You know, I mean, they're like, what, 24 games or 25 games under 500 at this point? Uh, yeah. How did, how did, yeah. you know, it's like, how did it even get to this point? How did, how did culture in the locker room get so bad that it derailed the team to negative 25 games? You know, it's I still insane. blame the TLR hire. That's yeah. when everything went down. I mean, the arrow was pointing up. We had the back-to-back playoff appearances for the first time in, you know, team history, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, 2020 and 2021. And, uh, you know, you bring in TLR, who is supposed to be this seasoned veteran Hall of Fame manager who's you know known to be a little bit of a tough guy and an analytically driven manager and we got this almost opposite of that when he came here he he was he, he became uber soft and he seemed to throw analytics just out the window and uh you know with his softness the players seem to get softer and everything's been downhill since. So you tell me where it went wrong. I feel like that's where it went wrong. You know, we'd only won one game in each of those two playoff series that the White Sox went to. Sure. Fine. But we had a roster that we were told over and over again, and everybody in baseball believed that they could be contenders. There wasn't uh, there wasn't a show I could turn on on MLB Network that wasn't talking about how the White Sox showed so much potential and on paper they looked great and they had all these rising budding superstars and uh you know we it just all fell flat on its face you can blame injuries you can blame you know piss poor coaching but uh it really started in my opinion the moment it was announced that Tony La Russa was to be the next White Sox manager so do you think there is any shot whatsoever that Pedro Grafal is not here next year? 
bar, do barring, I think he's barring Rick Hahn being fired. Oh, if he gets I, fired, then all bets are off. But if Rick Hahn's here next year, is Pedro Grifal here? I, you know what? I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think there's about an eighty percent chance that Pedro Grifal gets a you know a second chance. It's just the way this team is operated for so long that everybody is worthy of a second shot, right? And, uh, you know, again, Pedro Grafal goes into that meeting in the offseason, the end of this year, and they say, you know, hey, uh, why should we keep you? What, what's going on? And he says, I just need the team that uh, I can contend with. Give me a team that I can play with. Give me a team that, you know, will buy into my philosophies and, and my rules and, and, you know, the tone that I'm willing to set for this team. And for Jerry Reinsdorf and Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn, that might be enough to save his job after falling completely flat on their faces this season. Hmm. What do you think? Do you think he, I mean, do you think he's one and done? I don't. Um, I mean, I would at this point with how bad this team has been, uh, I would like to, to think that that would be a possibility, but the the issue here is that um, I don't you know I don't know if they've got the the stones to do it you know and admit that the the hire was a, a not a good hire and you know I mean it's like as soon as the the trade deadline passed I mean you did get swept by the the Rangers right out of the gate. Um, but then you took two out of three from the Guardians, and then you took two out of three from the Yankees. But then this last, you know, this last one happened, this last series, and then you get swept by the Brewers. And a couple of them were close, but then the last one was not so close. Yeah, what was yesterday? Was a seven? Seven to three. Yeah, seven to three. Yeah. So I well, I, I guess I stopped paying attention once it got to seven zero. I didn't realize the Sox actually <laughs> scored any runs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, I, I feel like, okay. So the Brewers have a, a halfway decent record. Yeah. You know, they're not exactly uh world beaters, but, uh, you know, if the season were to end right now, uh, they'd be right on the verge of making the playoffs. I believe. Uh, I think they're first place. Aren't they first place? In are, the, are they now? They, they are leading the division. And uh, yeah, in the I think they are. Yeah. yeah. You're correct. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, actually, the reason I was thinking that is because uh, I was hanging out with some uh, fans of the Northside team this weekend, and they were all screaming at me, "Why can't your Why can't your White Sox help us out?" You know, for the the one time that Cubs fans were actually rooting for the White Sox, and they couldn't do anything. But you know, either way, I feel like that was a that was a team that the White Sox could have beaten, should have beaten, and uh, you know, just like the rest of the season, they did not. And it, there's been a lot of that where, you know, we play against, and when I say we, I mean the White Sox, obviously. But, uh, you know, that you go out there and you think, well, you know, you've got Dylan Cease starting. White Sox have the potential to win any game that this guy goes out and takes the mound. You know, you got Michael Kopech starting. Hey, absolutely have the potential to go out and win any game that that guy starts. And, you know, we get nothing. We get nothing. We get mistakes. We get errors. We get, you know, uh, guys left on base. And the one thing was is they did actually score some runs. They've been putting up some offensive numbers here lately, even in losing efforts. You know, like again, like aside from that that seven to three game yesterday. But you know, they find new ways to lose all the time, and it's 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 really difficult to continue. You know, showing interest in in the product that we're being given on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, so a quote just came across yesterday about uh, Corey Lee down in uh, AAA from Pedro Grafal. And he said that Corey Lee, um, with the glove, he looks good. With the bat, you know, he's gotten some hits with the bat. Um, but the rhythm isn't there yet is what he said. And that we should see him here soon in Chicago. So my guess is that literally the only thing that they're waiting for is for Sebi to come back from the injured list. And then I am almost certain that Grandal is going to get launched into the sun. And then they're going to bring up Corey Lee as a corresponding you know, move. 
I uh, I did see that, and I kind of had the same thought. And my only issue with that is, why are we waiting for Sebi? Because they can pretty much send him on his way, too. Well, I mean, they got Carlos Perez. I mean, they got Carlos Perez up there as the backup right now. And I will say, you know, Corey Lee down there in AAA, um, one thing that he is uh, – and if this system comes to Major League Baseball, um, this guy's going to make bank. <laughs> this guy using challenges on strikes and balls, ridiculous. It's like every single one that he that he challenges is right every single time. It's it's like clockwork. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what I mean. We'll see what happens. You know, um, Pusher says the Cubs are on fire at this. point at this point in time. Yeah. They're, I mean, you know, a team not even thought to be in the hunt for playoffs. And, uh, at the way they ripped off like, uh, 18 of their last 24 or something. Yeah. And, you know, Nick magical still pulling bonehead plays out there, but, um, he's been fairly decent for him actually. So they got something out of that Kimball trade. So that's nice. <laughs> Something happened in the clubhouse. You don't say. Well, I'm not sure what that is, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to enlighten me because I don't know anything about the clubhouse over on that side of town. Um, I will say though, uh, I did have uh, a, a coworker of mine. She went and saw Pink over at uh, Wrigley Field and showed me video of it. Looked pretty awesome. <laughs> not gonna lie. I have seen a show or two at Wrigley. They do uh, they put on a decent concert there. I'll say that. Yeah, and I, I heard nothing but good things about the uh, Bruce Springsteen show. Um, yeah, I saw the Foos there a few years ago, mm. uh, and I will say I was uh, definitely entertained. Yeah, I got a friend out with the Foos right now doing lights for them. So nice. they're going to be at Riot Fest here in a few uh, in a few weeks. So kind of. Yeah, they're cool. headlining opening night, right? I believe. Something like that, yeah. Trade deadline was looming and players pulled together to start winning. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Imagine having a, a winning mentality and what that can do for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, at this point, I don't know what, you know, as a, as a White Sox fan, I don't really know what to say. I mean... It, well, I don't you even have know what to that be as a White Sox fan. What's that? <laughs> I said I don't even know what that means as a White Sox fan, having yeah. a winning mentality. Well, I mean, like my thinking here is, is that if you have to be motivated to come together and play baseball as a team, like you can't be helped. As far as I'm concerned, like th- that no, that I mean, should be a there, given. You're out there playing, you know, what they call the child's game for millions of dollars. Most of these guys. Yeah. That should be motivation enough. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, you know, like you get, you know, confident in your uh, double play combination, you know, between the shortstop and the second baseman. You know, you get comfortable there. Um, the catcher should be in sync with the pitching staff, and that hasn't been a thing. I mean, you hear stories of Grandal going in and smacking the taste out of TA's mouth while he's sitting in a cold tub. And, you know, like, I, you know, I mean, far be it from me to say that TA has been a model citizen this year. Um, But, you know, you walk in and smack somebody in the face. I mean, regardless of whether that's, uh, you know, they say, Yasmani says that, that that that's not the way it went down. But, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things like if that kind of stuff's happening in the clubhouse, you know, like, you know, I, I, I have to imagine, you know, I, Rick Hahn made a uh, – so someone did get beat up this week. Apparently this was a while back. Um, there uh, were quotes from Rick Hahn about – more or less yeah, letting the, the the guys with the you know non team mentality essentially uh those guys weeding themselves out 
in the coming weeks. And, you know, with stories like this coming out, and I don't know exactly where this, where the story came from, um, but I imagine that it has to be an ex-player, uh, and my thought was an ex-player in Los Angeles, um, on the south side, well, I guess technically in Orange County, um, that was my thought, um, who has been awfully quiet, and you haven't heard him say a word about the White Sox since he's been gone. So, No, but he sure looks like he likes playing with uh, Shohei. Yeah, he's still got a 90 RA <laughs> down there with the Angels. So, No, I'm just saying, you know, judging by said players, I said assumed players facial uh expressions oh when yeah sitting next to him well i he, mean uh, it's shohei otani i mean the guy is the guy is a force of nature i'll i'll give him that the guy's phenomenal um you know i tried i tried last year to to hold off on the excitement about how how good he is but uh this year he just came out and blew the doors off and i'm just at this point i'm just like yeah that guy's amazing <laughs> Yeah, I got you know, and it's 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 a shame that uh, the Angels decided not to sell at the deadline, and then uh, you know went out and bought a couple of guys, and it went like seven and zero or or zero and seven before you know finally getting a win after the after trade deadline or whatever it was, something ridiculous. Uh, and you know they're uh, here they are they're losing again tonight to the Rangers, six to nothing. Uh, you yeah. know, apparently they felt like they could uh, they could make a push, and it, it hasn't worked out that way for them. But could you imagine being an Angels fan and having possibly the two best players in the game over the last you know twenty years on the same roster and not being able to do anything? Yeah, I, I mean, I I erased the uh, the Jay Cuda picture. I I mean that's one that I should put up, but I erased it already. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I I said at the time, and I tweeted from the account that more or less all the Angels did when they got Giolito and Reynaldo was overpay for a few days of feeling good about themselves. And I mean that's exactly what it's shown to be is that you know as soon as uh, that initial high woke, you know, wore off. They went back to being the Angels, you know, and Lucas hasn't really provided. I mean, realistically, hasn't provided anything worth what they gave up. And I'll take Carol. I think Carol's batting something like three seventy or something like that since we got him. Um, now Kai Bush, on the other hand. Uh, he's been having a rough time. I mean, basically every single pitcher that we've had that that we that we received in those trades has had a rough time. And I don't, you know, I mean that happens in uh, more so in the minors. I think when guys get moved, there's kind of just like this, like uh, lull. Yeah, there's an adjustment period, you know, to new surroundings, new teammates, new field. You know, you don't have that at home field. Uh, you know, rubber that you're pitching off of, uh, at least half of the time, uh, you know, it, there's just a, a transition period. Yeah. And you go, I, you from know, like I said, last top week. prospect with one organization and you're, you think that you're going to go play for the angels. You're going to go play for the Dodgers, you know, whichever team, you know, uh, the Astros, you think that that's where you're going to end up and then you get traded. And then you end up on the South side of Chicago. <laughs> and you look at the team you're playing, you're going to be playing for possibly, and you go, "What just happened?" Yeah, it's a little bleak. I got to imagine. <laughs> Ooh, I'll tell you what, yeah. boy. If I, uh, you know, honestly, you got to feel like though it, somebody's got to be telling these guys, like, "Hey, man, you know, in the Angels organization, maybe you were just uh, going to be a number five in the starting rotation or a, a you know, a middle oh, the angels. Come on, come on. We're talking about the angels here. Well, never I'm just saying pitching. never. It, that's true. Except and for the White Sox do. That's it. But if you look at, if you look at the revolving door of White Sox pitching, 
because we never really hold on to anybody very long here. Guys don't get contracts extensions. They they come here, you know, if it's a veteran pitcher who's been in the league for a while, they get a two or three year deal. They pitch those two or three years and they're gone. Yeah. If it's somebody who's come up through the system, they get their rookie contract and then they're gone because the White Sox are not going to pay long-term contracts for pitchers, no matter what their age. It, that's just how they operate. But uh, at the same time, you know, if you got a young kid like this, you would think, hey, the White Sox are known for developing pitchers. Maybe I can go out and make this roster and do something good, and I'll find my payday somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, to keep these kids focused on uh, their path, I think that's probably what we need to be, you know, force-feeding them at this point. But whew, I got to imagine the, the the initial shock of being traded to a, a, a team that – uh, you know, a, a club, I should say, an entire organization that has just been dragged for, uh, you know, not being able to produce anything other than two playoff game wins in the two series since, you know, 2008 and 2005. Uh, yeah, that's got to feel not so great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for uh, for the people that are listening slash watching, um we were spo- we were going to have a, a guest tonight, and uh, he's not here tonight. But um, it's coming here in the in the near future, and uh, shed some light on some things, and should be you know a, a fairly interesting listen. So I'm looking forward to yeah. that conversation. Just to uh, you know, not give away too much. I'll just say that uh, the person that's uh, going to be a guest has some pretty intimate knowledge. Uh about how the uh, the organization as a whole kind of works uh, and has some uh, some insights for us. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, and we got some uh, guests coming up in the next two uh, you know next two weeks. Other than that, gentlemen, and uh, should be a fun couple of weeks coming up here on the on the stream. Um, yeah, so yeah, some things most people will probably recognize. All three uh, of those yeah. names will be yeah. recognizable when. Uh, when they get released and when we, we, we put that stuff out there, you, you, your head might turn a little bit and say, wow, okay. Yeah. Well, all three of the names will ring a bell except, except for with Pusher. Pusher will be like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're not getting anybody from uh, the Dodgers fan base or, uh, or you know, Cubs anyone with base, you no. or the Cubs fan base. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Grimtall's Dodgers. Yeah, Grimtall's Dodger guy. But, I mean, he's, you know, to be fair to Grimtall. He grew up uh, where I am sitting right now. He grew up like two blocks away from me, and he was always a, a White Sox guy when uh, we were, you know, when we were younger. But he also liked the Dodgers. But you know, there's far more to like on that, uh, you know, on that side, that side of the country. And um, the White Sox have done nothing but, um, you know, essentially alienate the entire fan base so i i don't blame him for uh for you know being on that side of things that said he still does have a uh a soft spot in his you know cold cold heart for the white Sox. um yeah i mean he does check in with us on a weekly basis he does so um i give him credit for that may you know he, he may have given up on the white Sox and called himself a dodger fan you know but uh it's obvious that uh, he at least uh, puts up with the White Sox enough to uh, find his way into here and get some new information from us, or if it's any of it's even new to him. Because uh, you gotta, you gotta think, man. I mean, maybe he's got it right. Maybe he's got it right. Maybe the only way to uh, alleviate the pain that we go through as White Sox fans is to just dump them for somebody else. You know, call. You know, I'm, I won't call anybody a fair weather fan at this point for walking away. Honestly, this has been absolutely brutal. Do you remember his prediction at the beginning of the season? Uh, I, you, okay. Yeah, you're gonna well, have. To, I will uh, fill you in. Me. Yeah. And this, and when I when he said it, I was like. You are out of your mind," he said. "The White Sox would win as many games as the Dodgers lost. I haven't he looked, did. but it's got to be really close. Got to be really close. Yeah, 
Man, that is that is something right there. You know what? Actually, right now I'm gonna go look at that. I'm looking at the standings. Um, just so if anybody else from an, uh, a different podcast uh, is listening, um, our listeners are smarter than yours. Uh, so they're seventy-one and forty-six, <laughs> and we are f- the White Sox are forty-seven and seventy-two. Literally one, one win less. I mean, the White Sox actually have more losses. They have, yeah, but they have, but they have, but they do have one more win. Yeah, it's it's what it's one one and one. We got one game at hand. Jeez, Louise. All Uh, right, so uh, I guess beers are on me next time I see him because holy cow, is that close? You know. <laughs> and if you're listening, I, I mean, I, I know I, you're not here right now, but holy cow! So I need uh, some Super Bowl odds from that guy, man. Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, let me get know. some lotto numbers while you're at it too. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, so Michael Kopech went out and had a stinker. Oh, that's um, what I'm saying, man. You think he, there's a chance that you could win any game he takes them out, and then it, it just about the poop. Yeah. Hope. I kind of think that uh like something that for for the entire clubhouse at this point, I think that um a, a mental reset of sorts is needed. You know? Um how do you achieve such a thing though? I don't know. And especially at this point in the season and with what the record is right now and with the amount of talent that they shipped out I don't know how you reset something like that and how you write the ship at this point because the season's over. You know, at this point, the only thing that they can play for is personal uh, is pride in in the club in general. You know, whether it be personal, whether it be uh, as, as a group, um, it's up to Pedro to instill the culture that it's going to be for the group. You know, and it's not just going to be a personal thing because, you know, you've seen how it goes when it's an entire group of guys that are all out for personal gain. You know, and that seems to be the general consensus as to what the White Sox were for the last year and a half. And it turned out really ugly. You know, so. I don't know. I don't know how you turn it around. Um, I mean, I just feel like. That's going to be a difficult task, even in the off season. Uh, you know, like you said, though, there have been some turnover. There have been some guys that have been shipped out. You know, maybe some fresh blood changes that a little bit. I don't really know, but you know, it's been difficult to pinpoint one thing that went wrong. When in reality, it seems like just about everything went wrong. So, how do you? You know, if you've got one thing to fix, then you focus on fixing that one thing. But when you've got everything to fix, how do you find the focus and how do you find the the, the right type of, of training and, and teaching and relearning and refocusing and, and changing a mindset and an entire culture of it, when you've got everything going wrong? It's it's a difficult task. Yeah. Um, the only way I see that happening is with some new blood and with shedding some of the, the old, uh, the old guard, not so that we bring uh, back Billy, Billy Hamilton next year for uh, a veteran leadership. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of my, one of my big fears here is that Elvis Andrews sticks around. Oh Lord. Yeah. I mean, Veteran leadership. He's a good presence in the clubhouse. He's a good dude. He wants to win. Um, he's got a, you know, he has one at, you know, he's been to, uh, what, he went to two World Series with the uh, with the Rangers? I think, yeah. if I remember correctly. Uh, the uh, Josh Hamilton, uh, uh, Ron Washington days. Um, you know, dream scenario. You know, I'll take Elvis Andrus sticking around if Ron Washington comes over. Yeah, okay. 
you know, I mean, it's not going to happen, but, you know, I would, you know, you're talking about a guy that does fundamentals and he's going to run these guys until they get those fundamentals down. He would immediately make Tim Anderson a better shortstop, you know, Um, he would make the entire infield better. A guy is, is quite possibly the best infielding coach to ever grace a, a baseball field. Yeah, and as as he says, uh, first first base is extremely hard. Um, he would make Andrew Vaughn better at first base. Um, it's easy. Tell him, Wash. <laughs> it's not easy. It's um, extremely difficult. Yeah, it's extremely difficult. Um, so Jake Berger yesterday had a walk-off hit for the Florida Marlins. And with the said Marlins... In 41 at-bats, he has 13 hits. He is batting 317 with a 879 OPS and a 140 OPS+. plus. Um, now, I, and to, to be honest, I do not expect that to continue, um, but I don't expect it to tank either. I think that he was he's better than he was showing here. And, so you mean um, he's, he's, he's better than a two thirty hitter, two twenty something? Yeah, no, two whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. two whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's he's better than that. Um, and uh, you know, I did. You know, I got a, a pretty nasty reply to a tweet about uh, Jake Eater having a, a rough outing yesterday, telling me that Jake Eater was uh, akin to a garbage can, and. Um, what? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's a, apparently the guy's a, a big Jake Berger fan. He said that the only reason to make that trade was to piss off fans. And I was like, huh? Um, uh, look, a lot of us, including myself, were uh, big fans of Jake Berger. You know, and I'm not going to get too deep into it, but I said last week, yo, kid's got a great story. Obviously plays with heart. He was a fan favorite. But, uh, to say that he, he was he was traded just to make us angry, I think we were all pretty angry. We were all pretty upset about the way things were going already. They didn't need Jake Berger to do that. Yeah, yeah, we were already uh, less than pleased with the direction of the baseball club this season. Um, that said, you know Jake Eater hasn't been great since he since he came over, and you know for the most part he's been okay. Okay, you know, he just he's been having uh, consistency issues, but see, here's the thing that you have to take in context. The guy came from Vanderbilt, went straight to Double A. Had a one, I think a one nine two ERA, with a point nine eight WHIP, in like a hundred and ten innings, had a ninety nine K. To I think twenty set maybe it was twenty four walks, so it was a four to one ratio of strikeouts to walks. And then he needed Tommy John surgery, and then he's pitched forty forty one innings since since Tommy John. I don't know what you know about Tommy John surgery, uh, but it is uh, not a comfortable surgery. And it takes some time to rehab. And uh, to expect him to come out and pitch how he did and then to complain about a, how, a, how a 25-year-old hasn't made it past double A. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just some, some silliness going on here. And people are getting over-emotional about, you know, about things. And I understand. It's easy to get emotional about the direction of the club because they've been Wait, awful this to, year. But you mean to tell me that the folks on White Sox Twitter are having knee jerk reactions? You don't say. That's that's wild. Yeah, something uh completely you know, I can't believe it. Totally out of character. Um <laughs> right. Yeah, so the the White Sox ended up um, in that Kopech game. They ended up losing uh, seven to six. Kopech goes four point one, only allows five hits, but he does walk five and he strikes out four. 
Um, one of the things that he said to uh, the um, press contingent afterwards is that he's just tired of talking about how he's, you know, continuing to more more or less, you know, paraphrase here, uh, how he's continuing to grind and trying to stay in the moment and trying to uh, go one batter at a time, blah, blah, blah. He's, you know, got all these cliches and he's tired of talking about it, you know? And, uh, you know, when we talk about mental reset, I think he's one of those, one of those guys that just needs, needs some time off from the game for a little while, especially after this awful season. Um, Brian Shaw relieves him, gives up two more runs. He needs to be, uh, relieved of his position. Um, I don't, I mean, to be honest, like he wasn't good in Charlotte and then they brought, I mean, which isn't entirely surprising considering that the park does not hold the ball very well. No. And you know, if you're a fly ball pitcher, yeah, you're going to get dinged up. Yeah. And then he comes up here and he's doing the exact same thing. Uh, bummer comes in, in that game, goes two innings, strikes out four, walks one, gives up a couple of hits, gives up no runs. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, yeah. Then uh, Santos comes in, one inning, one hit, nothing else. And then Jimmy Lambert, uh, a run uh, unearned, strikes out three, walks one, gives up a hit in two innings. Whatever. They end up, you know, dropping that one, seven to six. Um, Mankata had a, an okay game, you know, uh, going, couple, you know, two for five. Eloy had a, had a nice game, hit a home run. Um, yeah, that one was, you know, well, that's the thing. I'm you, you put up six runs and you think, well, a good chance you, you, you're going to win a lot of games if you're scoring six runs. Uh, it just seems the white Sox find ways to lose those games have been doing that a lot. The last couple of seasons, you know, there's no lead that is, is safe ever. Yeah. And I mean, they only lost by one. And uh, I think the stat, I, I don't remember the exact stat, but in one-run games this year, they're terrible. Yeah, and I've, I've heard that thrown around, you know, in years past, where I would imagine if you turn around those run one-run losses and you turn those into wins and you say you've got 20, 25 one-run losses, and if you turn around, you know, a half of those or, you know, two-thirds of those following season, your record, you know, changes dr- drastically. And I, I just don't know. Like you said, I think maybe it's just time basically waiting for the off season, so that these guys can get that reset because in season it's just not going to happen. Uh, it's become painfully obvious that this team – is going to be the same team for the entirety of the season. You know, Rick Hahn and his address to the media after the trade deadline and and when, uh, you know, last week when when all these comments from players that had been traded away and had left the organization had come out and, and, and made some scathing remarks towards the organization, uh, you know, Rick Hahn kind of had to come out and, and do damage control. Uh and you get the, the well, you know, we uh, we got rid of some of the guys that were the problem and uh, to to the culture of the organization. And you know, I think it was you that said uh, I could see this team maybe you know even though we've we dealt away some of our best pitching and you know we've got some obvious even bigger holes than we've had before. I can see this team kind of maybe turning around and blowing their opportunity at a high draft pick. But uh, and it looked that way. For the first few games after the All Star break, if Luis Robert had been line. there versus the Brewers, there's an entire there's a possibility that they don't that you know that they take two right. of these games because they only lost by one run, three to two and seven to six. So right, I'll move to the uh, the next one. They lose three to two. <laughs> Yohan Moncada hits a home run, um, goes two for four. Uh, Jesse Schultens goes. F- you know, 6.1. And, you know, he's, he's looked pretty good. Um, you know, we get him for nothing from the Padres. Um, 
and you know thinking that he's just going to be some filler arm in Charlotte and because of you know injuries to uh starters on the MLB club and then Davis Martin then going down with TJ um and Nate Fisher the other offseason pickup not really doing a whole lot um Jesse Schultons ends up pitching a how about this quote unquote meaningful innings um because at this point nothing's really meaningful but he is pitching meaningful innings for this team because they do need somebody to eat innings he, I mean he's gotten much more of an extended look than any of us ever expected he would yeah. and he's he's and he's handled it quite well so yeah. it, no complaints no uh you know I, on the cheap <laughs> yeah, for for what I expected from Jesse Schultons when I heard that we signed him, um, I am more than than happy with what he's done. Um, yeah, I mean, six point one, three runs, three walks, five Ks. You take that nine times out of ten from a guy that you don't, you didn't expect to put in any meaningful innings whatsoever through the year. How many quality starts has White Sox pitching staff gotten? Oh sure. my gosh! I have you looked. go. That's a quality start. That's a quality start. Yeah, it is. I haven't looked. Um, that's that's going to be something uh, I'm going to look up right now because I'm really curious. You know, I I feel like there have been a lot of four and five inning starts. Yeah, so oh, you know, a lot of that, if yeah. you can't if you can't get to six innings, you can't even get a quality start. So. <laughs> It's uh, I'm gonna guess it's far and few between. All right, let's see here. Filtered by quality starts. Uh, quality starts. White Sox are more or less middle of the pack, 18th with 39 quality starts. You want to hear a really strange stat? Than I thought. And I mean, I guess you can kind of you can you can explain this away. The Rays have 38. They're one below the White Sox. But you could explain that away because they do the opener thing a little bit more than most clubs. Um, let me see here. Uh, the one I was looking to see. Yeah, the Mets are Mets are one ahead of the White Sox. Or they're tied with the White Sox at 39. Um. The Rangers, uh, good old Dane Dunning, uh, and uh, and friends Dane Dunong, Dunong, uh, he's there at fifty-two, uh, number one in Major League Baseball this year in quality starts with sixty-one. Your Minnesota Twins. No kidding. Yeah, that's kind of a strange one. Uh, the Mariners, sixty-three and fifty-four. I mean, it's going to be really close if they make the playoffs. It's going to be – they're going to scratch and claw their way in if they get into the playoffs, but they're second with 58. Okay. Yeah. First National League club. This one's kind of funny. San Diego Padres, 55. That's pretty rough. If they got ah. 55 and they're that far behind in the division – that's uh, that's kind of a head scratcher. It's an indictment on your bullpen. Yeah, that's pretty awful, and uh, probably on your offense as well. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of those guys have underperformed. Um, now the Braves and the Dodgers. The Braves are at forty-two, and the Dodgers are at forty-one in quality starts. Which is actually, you know, surprises me about the Braves. Not so much the Dodgers because they've had some starting pitching injuries and stuff. And I mean, technically, I guess the Braves did as well with Max Fried being out and Soroka being hot garbage for a while. And I, I don't know if you saw the uh, the stat line the other night for the Charlotte Knights game. They got three hit by Mike Soroka in Charlotte. Three hit. They had a double from Xavier Fernandez and then two singles, one from Lenin Sosa. I really one... like that guy, by the way. Who, Xavier Fernandez? Yeah. 
I really like his game. He's fun. Um, but I mean, you know, to be fair, you know, like he's not as useless with a glove. Or he's not useless with a glove, but you know, like he's he's a little bit better with a glove than your mean Mercedes was. Well, you know, he's unpolished, but I mean, he's also just made his way up to triple a recently. Well, yeah. He played there last year. I mean, he's, I mean, let's, let's not act like, you know, he's some young prospect here, you know, he's not, you're right. I'm not saying that, but you know, he, there's something about him that tells me he's still got a step. He's well, I shouldn't say we all know he's got a step or two to take, but I don't know, just a little bit that I have seen of him. I feel like the continual development is is coming. The continued development will happen. I mean, I the just, guy's I just, never not hit. The guy can hit. It's just defensively. Yeah, know, there's there's something to be desired. There is something to be desired. <laughs> and, you know, he's hitting, uh, for the year, he's hitting 285. Um, he's got 11 home runs and he did start the season late. He started the the season. I want to say like a month behind, uh, everybody else. Um, he just hit his first, uh, home run in Charlotte yesterday, yesterday. Yeah. It was either yesterday or the day before, but, um, yeah, I mean, the guy's always hit and then, you know, uh, James Fegan mentioned in his, his, uh, you know, like one of his spring training articles that, when he would hear that sound off the bat, it was all he'd turn around and it'd always be Xavier Fernandez. And, you know, the guy hits the ball hard, and that's there's certainly something to be said for that. Um, I just don't know what at this point of the state of the organization where he lines up. Well, let me ask you this. Would a bat first defense lagging behind backup catcher be a bad thing to have on this team? No. I mean, if we get, if, if you know, if Carroll turns out to be the guy that, that people are hoping for and he, and he can turn out to be, you know, let's just say a, a top eight or 10 catcher in MLB at the MLB level, I won't even say he's going to be like some superstar, but let's just. Let's put him in the top third of baseball at some point in his career. Could a guy like Xavier Fernandez, who's bat first, be the type of guy you could see in a backup position helping a team with a with a catcher who's more well rounded as a starter? I mean How do you feel what what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean he could but you know, like he, he's you know, like I said, the guy can hit the baseball. Um I just don't know if he's going to get an, you know, if he's going to warrant enough at, bat, at bats in Major League Baseball, you know, and you know the quote that uh, came from, uh, I think it was uh, Scott Merkin the other day, saying that Oscar Colas looks more and more comfortable week by week, day by day, and it's like, duh. Imagine that a out, you know, that a that a rookie is going to feel more comfortable if he plays every day. Weird. Yeah. Progress. Uh, yeah. And he's actually getting the playing time. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the thing. We, we do this to rookies in the white Sox organization all too often. Uh, Guys come nuts. up, they play every third day. They ride the pine. It, interest wanes. It, you know, I, imagine, imagine that a guy might actually continue his development when he's playing on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, we're used to seeing it. I mean, we're at this point, we're just kind of numb to the whole thing, but it's like when you hear it thrown out in, in, uh, when you read it in print, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where you're just like, man, this organization, man, just drives me up a wall. Um, let's get back to this. Um, so, uh, we got sidetracked by the quality starts, so we're gonna. Sorry, we did. We're gonna flip we'll back. Get back to uh, the series. Yeah, I mean something that uh, you know, realistically, is uh, unimportant because this team is going nowhere. Hot garbage. Yeah, straight trash, homie. Um, 
So uh, Freddie Peralta made the White Sox hitters look stupid all day long on Sunday. Uh, they lose seven. He's been to three. known to do that to a lot of teams. Yeah, let's be honest. The only guy he's apparently- been pretty solid the last couple of years. Yeah, oh no, for sure. And like to be fair, like the only guy I think on the White Sox that had like really seen Freddie Peralta more than a few at bats was uh, Mankata, and he went zero for four. So, um, yeah, um, not really a whole lot to talk about here. Uh, you had a. I think what was a two RBI uh, single from uh, from Andrews, and uh, yeah, I mean there wasn't really a whole lot to 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 go on. You know how well Elvis Andrus has been playing lately? Like, pretty much feels like he's just been on fire for like the last like two weeks. He's still batting two twenty six. That tells you how badly how badly he was playing for the first three months of the season that he could be as good as he has for the last couple of weeks, and he's still hitting two twenty six with a six oh eight. You know, OPS. I had that same thought when they were talking about him like that on the broadcast. Oh, he's really turned it on as of late, and I went, mm, okay, you know. And this is we're getting this. It's about the same time as last season where he turned it on for, you know, a couple of weeks and everybody was like, Elvis Andrews is the answer to the White Sox problems. Sign him to a long-term fat contract and keep him around forever. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, like he's he's exactly what they needed to go on a run last year. And uh, guess what? (laughs) They still did not go on a run. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. So uh, his OPS plus this year, even after what he's been doing lately, is 68. So. 68. Yeah. Woo-wee. Yeah, that's uh, for for the layman that happened to be watching or listening, that is 32 below league average. League average. That is. No bueno. So uh, I'd love to hear from all those fans right now that were oh, bringing Elvis Andrews back. And, uh, you know, I'm not usually one to do it, but I will happily tell you, told you so. Yeah. Told you, so. you know, I mean, I, I have thought about that as well. Uh, the <laughs> issue being with that uh, about, uh, about laughing about that is that, um, you know, I wanted Lenin Sosa and Romy Gonzalez to fight it out. And Romy Gonzalez is out for the rest of the year. Uh, just had surgery on his torn labrum. And um, and then Lenin Sosa, he's putting up, you know, I mean, he's putting up decent numbers in AAA. But nothing great. You yeah, know, and nothing he missed, that really and he jumps off missed some page. time. So, yeah. like, do I really have, uh, you know, any sort of uh, soapbox to stand on and talk down to anybody else because it's not like my guys have really done anything. You know, Romy got injured. Lenin also, you know, had some time off and with this time in Charlotte where, you know, you hit the ball and it just keeps on going, you know, I mean, he's, I think he's got 16 home runs, which is great, you know, but definitely doesn't translate when you get up to here though. It does not. And sixty, you can probably cut that number in half at the, you know, at the cell. I mean, to be fair, uh, as far as the park factors in Major League Baseball go, I think they're like second behind uh, Great American Ballpark for home run uh, for like the percentage that the park plays on a home run ball. They're like second behind the Great American Ballpark. I'll have to find the stat for you and and uh, and, and show it to you. But no, and I get that. But it, I, you know, we're talking about how they compare against other MLB ballparks, and I don't think there's a MLB ballpark that compares to the bandbox that, uh, you know, Charlotte is. I mean, that's that. Uh, well, if it's going to be any one of them. It's going to be the Great American Ballpark or Guaranteed Rate. Yeah, I get, okay. You All know, right. so I mean, or we've seen field. it over and over again. It yeah. looks like, uh, you know, it looks like hitting golf balls with an aluminum baseball bat. For the, the other team, it does. Yeah. 
I'll give you that. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean, come on. You know, you got Justin Gershley down there coaching a team of full of I feel so bad you know has beens. I mean, you can't look at that Charlotte roster and go, they should be winning baseball games because <laughs> we've got a bunch of we got a bunch of fifty five year old dudes playing outfield over there that are like old. Hey, we got broken. Travis Swaggerty and Victor oh, Reyes. I'm sorry. And sorry, uh sorry. Uh, who else do we have? Uh Adam Hazley and uh I mean, yeah, it's, it's all guys from other teams that are quad A players. Uh they did let uh Steven Piscotti go. So they we don't did. have we no longer have him to kick around. Um yeah, I mean that team's roster, and you know, like from the from the get, I kind of figured it was going to be a f- a fairly rough season, but at least they had a little bit more starting pitching to start off the year there, and then well, Davis Martin went down, and uh, I'm trying to remember who else went down. Uh, John Park went down, and then. Uh, heck's his name it's not uh i'm forgetting his name uh something with a jt jp uh pt willis it's not pt willis um i forget what his name is but there's another guy with a two initial name uh he got injured as well he's on 60 day uh jonathan steve or 60 day um sean burke uh, if I didn't say him, yeah, I didn't say him yet. So, I mean, look, we had all, you know, all that starting pitching that we were assuming in AAA was going to be, A, putting in work in Charlotte and giving this team a fighting chance for the first time in a couple of years. Um, like 80% of their starting rotation was out before opening day. Uh, J.B. Olson is the name. J.B. Olson, there he is, J.B. Weld. Uh, he did not uh, weld the uh, the pitching staff together, um, unfortunately. Yeah. So I mean, they're, they're you know, uh, Johan Dominguez. What's that? Nicholas Padilla seen some time off. Jonathan Stevers seen some time off. I mean, okay, yeah, I get Nicholas Padilla is not exactly. Yeah, and he, I mean, you know, he usually, I mean, to be, he's also relieving most of the time, but that's why I mean, he's not exactly a starter most of the time. He's coming out of the pen, but yeah, he's an opener yeah. if anything, if he does, but I mean, regardless, right. you know, and then not that he's, you know, not that he's put up any numbers whatsoever in Charlotte this year, but they released John Park the other day. Right. And I was like, they did. This team has Davey no Garcia. starting pitching. Yeah. We did sign Davey Garcia. That's true. That is true. And Johan Dominguez just made his way. I think he made his, uh, I think it was his second start the other day. Um, yep. So, I mean, you know, there there are some interesting things going on in Charlotte. But, I mean, you don't have room to get rid of guys that can take innings. Even if they're not putting up good numbers, that pitching staff has been... Like, I, and you like thing is, is you can't even judge by the numbers that these guys are putting up because every single one of them is overworked. Every single one of them, you know, yeah. it's like when yeah. one guy gives up five runs, well, you got to put somebody else in. And when you put them in, you know, and it's their 56th appearance of the year and it's, you know, the beginning of August. Right. You know, like, how can you get mad at them for, you know, being slightly fatigued? You know the guys. Yeah, arms I mean, fall off. how do you not expect you know a, a, a plethora of these guys to go through a dead arm period? Yeah, uh, that lasts you know the entire last three months of the season. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's tough. You uh, know, like I, I want to be you know when it comes to the White Sox minor league uh, system, I like to be positive, and I don't like to call out negative things because these guys are still guys that are under development. Uh, that Most said, uh, yeah, that team's been Most really... Of them. They've got some retreads. It's been really difficult to watch. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, 
I don't know. The White Sox go and play. Uh, they're they're playing the Northsiders for the next couple of days, and they lost two games to them earlier this season. Uh, now they're playing at Wrigley. They don't have Jose Abreu to hit six home runs in a in a series. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm not expecting I'm not expecting anything good from well, them. You know, maybe maybe Luis Robert and his spring pinky will uh, be back. Spring pinky. I thought that was a joke when well, I saw I mean, somebody sl- talk about know, that. Way slid in. He ended up catching his pinky as he went by the bag. Yeah, I had I didn't see the play. I just saw that he I you know I saw somebody mentioned that he was out, and then I, I seen somebody else ask why he was out, and the answer was sprained pinky, and I thought that that was a joke. I, nice. I honestly thought that was an attempt at being funny, and it turns out it was a hundred percent true. And I went, "You've got to be kidding me!" Yeah, he his, yeah, he caught his pinky on the way by the bag. It happens. I'm not, you know, I mean, whatever. At this point, I don't know. You know, and I can't bust in the guy because he's finally been healthy for the better part of the season, and he's putting up numbers, and this is the Luis Robert we had kind of been hoping to see for a while, so I'm not going to be hard on the guy. You know, I, it just it wasn't so much about Luis Robert getting a spring pinky. It was just the fact that somebody – Anybody, you could have thrown any name out there, was going to miss time because of a sprained pinky was what got me. Because yeah. why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Everything's going so well. <laughs> um, Yeah, so uh, next week we have a guest. Uh, yeah, and, looking forward uh, to that one. Yeah, we'll be tweeting that out, uh, that information later on this week. I want to give him time to... Uh, confirm yeah to confirm but uh you know we're we're looking at uh having a guest next week and a guest the week after that and then likely uh one of these days here in the middle at some point we'll have another guest and uh we'll be putting churning out content here um at daily white Sox on twitter uh white Sox daily at sub uh at substack.com or no white Sox daily dot substack.com jeez louise i had a sort that out (laughs) uh we have a facebook group we have a youtube page if you're not watching us on that said youtube page currently um you're missing out if you're not by the way you need to go check that out there's it's the it is the best and only place to catch uh white Sox minor league highlights and if you're catching them from anywhere else it's it's either the the affiliates themselves which which don't put out anywhere near as much as we do and when i say we i mean ian (laughs) <laughs> and uh you know if you're seeing it somewhere else they probably stole it from us so um, i uh i didn't say anything about it uh yet this uh this this stream here but uh i did make an appearance on uh, future socks podcast yesterday uh so that should come out i think in the morning so i'm gonna be uh out on dueling podcasts tomorrow um but this will come out tomorrow morning was that with uh, James? Yeah, James and Mike Rankin. Nice. So Very yeah, nice. That, that was a it was a good time. It's nice talking some nice minor league baseball stuff. Um, yeah, my name's Ian Eskridge at i Eskridge on the uh, X, if you will. The X, WSX. I mean, why did he think that was a good idea? It's a terrible idea. No, but you know what. If we have to take, if we have to change WST to WSX, it almost kinds of fits, you know. I mean, I, White Sox. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I've seen the abbreviation, and you know, I just X. Like you can't. Yeah, it's. It's like when you say Twitter. You know, you know what you mean, but if somebody says X, you're like, huh? Sounds dirty. I mean, Dirty mouth. Sounds, Clean it up. Dumb. Um, it fix does it, kind of sound dumb. Fix it, Elon. Put it back. I don't. I don't want to talk about it anymore. No, nope. I don't like to talk about my flair. Uh, Danny Miller <laughs> at Danny Miller WSD, sitting on the other side from me. 
uh, my uh, my better half, if you will, on this uh, on this uh, stream. I candy. I don't know about better half. Just the eye, I'm just the eye candy. <laughs> that's all. Uh, yeah. So you've been listening to White Sox unprofessional eye candy on on the uh, White Sox streaming services. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, White Sox Daily. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for hanging out. Um, you guys have a great night, and we will talk to you guys next week, if not sooner. Thank you very much, and have a good night.